Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. Away to Manger was actually um, printed in 1885, and it was found in a uh, Lutheran Sunday School publishing. And we don't really know who actually wrote the song. We have no idea. Some think that Martin Luther, the great reformer, may have wrote it, but there is no, there is no uh, proof of that, so we're really not sure. But one thing is, is for sure is that it has impacted our lives, uh, many of our lives, given hope to us. Uh, through the years as we've sang it at Christmas time. And so, just in case you're like me, like, I don't really know all the words to any of the Christmas songs. So, anybody like that, me, like, I know a few lines of them, but I don't know all the words. And so, I want to just uh, maybe share the first verse of Away in a Manger with you. So, well, I'm going to do that by reading the words and not singing them to you, so you can be relieved about that. All right, so we're going to put the words up, and here they, here's the words are. Away in a manger, no crib for bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his what? Sweet head, that's right. Uh, the stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. That's right. You just wanted to break out. You couldn't write. You almost some of you couldn't contain yourselves. Start singing that. And so I want to share with you that uh, that song because that song is has some very powerful words in it that I think at this time of the year we sort of miss is that we, this song says, little Lord Jesus. Notice that, little Lord Jesus. The declaration that the song is making is that Jesus is not just some six-pound, eight-ounce little baby Jesus. Amen? He is Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. And so I swear, that's a statement that I'd like for you to remember today, these three words, and let's say them out loud. They're coming up on the screen. Let's say them. You ready? Jesus is Lord. Come on, say it again. You ready? Jesus, Jesus is Lord. Lord. Jesus is Lord. That's who he is. He's Lord. And so when the angels begin to announce, matter of fact, in Luke's gospel, chapter 2, the Christmas story, when the angels begin to announce this, they declare who Jesus is. Look what it says. It says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, talking about the shepherds, talking to the shepherds, I should say. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. What is his name, everybody? He is Christ the Lord. He is Christ the Lord. Lord. That's who he is. He is Christ the Lord. (laughs) See, one of the things I think we have to be corrected on in in our thinking was, is that we say, many times people say, oh, well, I made Jesus Lord. Well, I understand you made him the Lord of your life. That means you surrender to that. But you didn't make him Lord. God made him Lord. Amen? 
<laughs> he, he was Lord. He was Lord a long time before he came to, to the earth. But, but that's what makes him so wonderful is that he was willing to give up his lordship of heaven and come down to earth and be put in a manger and live 33 and a half years and die on a cruel cross and rise on the third day that you and I could, could live forever with him in heaven. Isn't that awesome, everybody? He is, he is Christ the Lord. Who is he, everybody? He's Christ the Lord, right? He's, he's not just some six-pound, eight-ounce little baby Jesus. He's Christ the Lord. That's who he is. And so understanding that today. Now, the, the thing about lordship is there's a word that's called, it's in the Greek, it's called kuros. It is the word for Lord, and it simply means supreme authority. It means in, it means in control. It means Lord. And so when we say that Jesus is Lord, that means that he is the com- complete controller of my life. He's in control of everything of my life. And one of the greatest challenges that, that I have and that you have is that uh, Jesus has a competitor, and that's for the lordship of your life, and that is you. And he has a competitor for the lordship of my life, and that is me. Listen, I don't mind if somebody else is in control as long as they do it my way. <laughs> How about you? I mean, you do it like I want you to. I'm good, all right? And so are you, I would assume, as well. And so we have to talk about this word lordship. What does it mean? And it means that I surrender myself to his leadership of who he is and what he wants me to do. And so today I want to talk to you about that. How to live a surrendered life. Because if he's going to be Lord, we have to surrender to his leadership. Amen, everybody? And so Jesus is Lord. All right. So the first thing I'd like to share with you about surrendering, how to surrender a life, is this. Is Number one is this. Would you write this down if you're taking notes? Refuse to live a partially surrendered life. Just refuse that. My greatest concern today with our culture, and not only with our culture, but with our, with our church, meaning church-wide, people that call themselves Christians, is many of us, would, many people would fall into that category of what's called a partially surrendered life. It basically says this, the partially surrendered life says, I believe in Jesus, but I live like he doesn't exist. Did you hear that? And, I'm a, and as a pastor, and, and, and as 2020 has, has come, and, and it's really made me do a lot of soul searching, I hope it has you as well. Amen? I don't know about you, but I've confessed every sin from the time I was in my mother's womb. I'm like, God, I want to get, you know, I don't want to learn what you want to teach me, God, because I don't have to keep going through this. And so as I've done some soul searching, it, it's really, God has really impressed in my heart that, you know, that... His church, the people that call themselves a part of his church, have forgotten his lordship. And so we believe, we believe in, in baby Jesus. We believe that he, he came, he's born of a virgin. We believe that he lived 33 and a half years. We believe he died on the cross. We believe that he rose again. We believe he's in heaven with God. We believe all that, but we live as if he doesn't exist. He doesn't matter. And that's where we have to begin to change in order to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Look what Jesus said. In Luke 6 and 46, he begins to tell this parable about this story of a man who built his house on the rock and a man who built his house on the sand. And this is his opening words in Luke 6 and 46. Jesus said this, not Jeff, okay, but Jesus said this. Jesus said, why do you call me? What's those next two words? Lord, Lord. Lord, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what? What I say. 
Those are some strong words from Jesus, aren't they? He says, how can you do that? How can you call me Lord, Lord, and you refuse to do what I say? Those are challenging words. And many of us today sitting here would say, yes, you know, there's been a time in my life that, that maybe I've lived that way. And, and, and it's time to get it right. 2020 is about the church getting it right. Amen, everybody? We can't expect the world to get it right until we get it right. And so Jesus begins to lean into this a little bit more. And, and, and so as I, as I would share with you today, that we have actually moved. Uh, we've said this. We said the way that we've lived like he doesn't exist is we say, I know what God's Word says. I know what the Bible says, but, and I've said this many times, the moment that you go to showing your butt, you got a problem, right? And the moment that you and I begin to say that, you know, but, we begin to all of a sudden, things begin to change. We say, you know what, I know that, that, that this person hurt me, and, and I know that I should forgive them, but, but God knows how bad they hurt me. But God knows, right? But God knows. So, so in other words, he excuses me. I, I, know, I know that I should not have sex outside of marriage, but God knows we love each other, and God knows that we're committed to each other, but God knows. Hear the but in that? I know, I know, I know about, you know, giving. I know, like giving, I should give 10% of my income. I know, but God knows I can't do that. All these, we begin to insert buts into life and we begin to excuse ourselves. And, and what happens is, is we take God's holy word and every time that we use a but, we just take things and we just throw it right out of God's word. We just rip them out and just say, no, 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 that's not for me. That's not for me. And that's not for me, and that surely is not for me right there. And so what we end up with is we end up a Bible that looks about like this. As a matter of fact, the only verse that we just about have in here is, well, God so loved the world, he gave his one and only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish by everlasting life. Well, I'm going to heaven, everybody. You see, what the problem is is, is, is we've fallen in love with the cover of the Bible, but we've thrown out the content. And now we're in a world, we look at our world and say, how did the world get like this? Because the church, not the world, the church has lost the content. And we've ripped out the Bible, we ripped out the content to make it say what we want it to say. So as long as I can bend it around, as long as I can make, feel good about what I'm doing, even though it's wrong, as long as I can feel good about it, it's okay. See what, see what we do is we try to take the cover of the Bible and wrap it around us. And what we do is this, instead of changing our behavior, we change our beliefs. change our beliefs. See, that used to be, we was like, no, when I was, we was raised, that wasn't right. That wasn't right. God said that's not right. But the moment that all of a sudden we experience something that we want to do or we want to accept, or it happens to someone in our family, all of a sudden we say, well, you know, well, I don't believe that anymore. And we throw it right out. And we try to wrap the cover of God's word around our beliefs and say, well, I believe that God knows that. I, God understands and I just want to tell you today that that doesn't work. That's not lordship. And some of you are sitting here, you can't think about anything because you think about how I'm going to go to hell for just ripping up the Bible. <laughs> but see, you're more concerned about what I did and what you do. And see, it's how we live. And I just want to challenge you today. I just want to challenge you to ask yourself that question. Am I living what God's Word says? Has my beliefs morphed into a political stance more than God's stance? Amen? 
can I tell you what? God's not political at all. He, he's, he, he's got one thing in mind. That's the kingdom of God. And can I tell you, when you stand before God and you go to heaven, listen, and you stand before him and you're going to answer for everything you've done in your life, and I'm going to answer for mine, he's not going to say, okay, now, are you Republican or Democrat or Independent? He's not going to say any of that. He's going to say, are you, have you, did you receive my son Jesus? Did you make him Lord of your life? And if so, welcome in, good and faithful servant. Amen? Amen. So understanding that, that this Christmas, that, that he's Lord and Jesus again, look at Luke 6, 46 again. Look what he says. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? That's the question that Jesus is still posing today. Again, if your perspective, Jesus is, oh, the little baby in the manger, then you won't live like this. It won't have any uh, impact on your life. But he's not the little baby. He's the Lord, right? He is Christ the Lord. That's who he was from the beginning, and that's who he is right now, lordship. Now, I want, to ask you, I want you to ask yourself this question. What area in your life, what area in your life do you, or do you struggle with of making him Lord? What is it? I would say that every one of us in this room right now say, I've got some area that I still want to control that I'm not turned over to Jesus. Go ahead and name it in your mind. Go and say what it is. And again, just because today we're just being raw today, is that I will tell you, and I, I, what I'm about to tell you, I'm so ashamed of and embarrassed. But I can tell you that the area for me was generosity. I didn't know how to be generous. Listen, I've always been a tither. I've always given 10% because it was the rule. And I was good at following the rules. But beyond that, I wasn't good at it. And I can tell you, this is what I'm ashamed of. I led our church for years to be, you know, I would talk about tithing, but I never would talk about missions and giving beyond that. Because here's the, here's the truth, just a flat-out truth, is I was afraid that if I told people, okay, well, we need to give to missions, then guess what? They'll quit giving their tithe, and we won't have enough money to get to the church to survive. And that was my thinking, that scarcity mindset thinking. I wish I could tell you only led the church that way for like a year, but no, probably the first 12 years of, a, of our existence, that's the way I led. Because it was fear. I had never given that error to God. And finally, if you read my book, The Perfect Prayer, you realize it all come crumbling down. And let me just tell you something. Whatever error you're struggling to give control to God, eventually you'll give it to Him. Because eventually there was something that's going to happen that you're going to have to surrender. And so what I learned was this, is that I had to say, God, this is not my church. It's yours, right? And it's His. It's not, it's not mine. It's His. And what I found out was that when I finally let that go and said, God, listen, if we're going to make it, it's going to be up to you, and, and you're in control. And let me just tell you something. The moment that I made that decision, we begin to let go. I want to tell you, we've been through the financial crisis of 2008. We've been through all those difficulties. And listen, we went through this pandemic. How have we made it through the pandemic? I'll tell you, because it's his church. It's not my church. And God has begun to bless us because we decided that we're going to be generous even in the middle of a pandemic. Amen, everybody? And God is the supplier of all that we need. It's Him. Listen, He had to change me. And once He changed me, see, I used to think this, that there's only this pie, and if I give this much away, then I'm not going to have enough. No. What God done was this. He said, Jeff, I'm the pie maker. You can just give it away because I'll give you more pies. Amen. God is when you begin to be generous. And so that was my issue. It may not be yours, but it was mine. And listen, I, I had to be corrected by God, and I was wrong. 
He wasn't Lord over that area. And now we don't have that scarcity mindset. God, it's amazing what God will do when you let him do what he can do. Amen, everybody? And so again, on the screen, let's say these three words together. You ready? Come on. Jesus is, say it again, everybody. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. That's who he is. And so the next part I would like to say about a surrendered life is this, is realize as Christ, as a Christ follower, I belong to who? The Lord. I belong to him. I belong to the Lord. Look at Romans 14. It says this, but we do not live for who? Ourselves. We don't live for ourselves. We don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, let me ask you a question. Those of you at home as well and in this room, if you are breathing right now, you are taking breath right now, would you raise your hand? I want to identify who's alive in this room. Okay, there's a few dead folks among us. All right. <laughs> yes, you're alive, right? You're alive. He says, he says this, if we, live, if we live, it is to honor who? The Lord. the Lord. That's right. If we die, it is to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, would you read this last part out at home as well? Out loud and proud. Let's read it. Ready? Come on. We belong to the Lord. You're not your own. If you've said, Jesus, come into my life, guess what? You're not your own. You're under his lordship. You, you belong to him. Like, I got this wedding ring on my finger right here. I've wore this wedding ring for 33 years. Even after high school, you know, I worked some construction jobs. And listen, I wore my wedding ring. Like now, when I go to the gym, I wear my wedding ring. Why? Because there's some 80 years old there that like, think this is hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a chick magnet if you're 80, baby. That's it. As long as you can walk and breathe and you're healthy, I'll take you. All right. But I wear, you know, a lot of people take their ring off and they go to the gym and all. No, no, no. I don't. This ring stays on my finger. The only time it comes off is like when we get it cleaned about every five to 10 years, you know, and, and that's it. It stays on my finger. Why? Because I want everyone to know I belong to Rhonda, and Rhonda belongs to me. We belong to each other, and we belong to Jesus. We belong to each other. And I can tell you this, that, you know, years ago when we got married, 33 years ago, all that I could get, all the money that I could buy her a ring with. I mean, it wasn't no rock, but it was a ring, you know, and she still has it to this day, is I saved up and I bought her a ring. And I went on Christmas Eve, and I remember kneeling down on one knee, old-fashioned way, and I held up that boxer, and I said, will you marry me? And I want you to know she didn't hear anything I said. She reached into the box, and she got the ring and put it on her finger. And she said, whoo, my. She didn't hear anything I had to say. You know, Rhonda, Rhonda really is a very uh, private kind of person, and she didn't like to draw attention to herself. But that Sunday at church, she raised her hand when we was worshiping God. She said, oh, yes. And all you ladies, all, we know when you get a new ring, you ain't, you ain't lifted your hand in 10 years in church, but all of a sudden you get that new ring. Oh, hallelujah, you're so good, God. Yeah, you just show it off. I know, we know you showing it off. Like, yeah, they got a new ring, yeah. But what I want to say to you is this is that ring I bought her cost me a lot. But it cost her zero. But when she received the ring, it cost her everything. Are you tracking with me? When she said, I, when she said yes, I will, and she eventually said, I do, it cost her everything. 
And also, and then when I said I do and I will, it cost me everything, right? You see that, how the gift was free to her, but yet when she received the gift, all of a sudden it changed everything. Changed everything. You as a follower of Jesus Christ. I want you to know that the gift of salvation is free. It's by grace, God's grace. It is free. It doesn't cost you anything. But when you receive the gift, it costs you everything. Amen. It costs you your life. He said that you're going to lose your life in order to find it. He said you're going to take your cross daily and follow me. That's, that's what lordship is all about is saying, I receive your gift, but I'm going to give up my life for what you want me to do. That's what lordship is all about. And I just want you to know, that's why since Rhonda and I belong to each other, again, she belongs to me. You say, well, that sounds chauvinistic. Well, whatever, you can say whatever you want to say about it, but that is true. She belongs to me, I belong to her, and she belongs to me, and that's why if you mess with her, I will take you out. <laughs> because she belongs to me. You say, well, I, I don't like her, and I, that's all right. That's your, I live, she's mine, right? She belongs to me, and I belong to her. And see, Jesus, you, if you're a Christ follower, you belong to Jesus. And Jesus is, not, Jesus is not like my buddy. Jesus is not like my fly friend. He's not that. No, no, no. Jesus is Lord and Savior. Amen, everybody? And Jesus, that's, that's why Jesus, I belong to Jesus. And like Rhonda, like I belong to Rhonda, Rhonda belongs to me. And, and let me just say this to you. You know, that's why we don't go out clubbing with single friends because we belong to each other. And, and if we go out clubbing with single friends, and we're going to act like we don't belong to each other. We don't go clubbing with single friends and we don't go swinging with married friends. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, the pastor's preaching now, isn't he? No, 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 no. We belong to each other. If you want to stay with somebody, you got to say, I belong to them. My life is not my own. And if you got married, your life is not your own. Yes. Glory to God. Ooh, I need to lean in on that a little bit more, right? I can tell. No, 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 no. And when you become a Christ follower, your life is not your own. You be, become the savior. You've received the gift, and that gift is the means that it costs you everything. Jesus is not a little baby in the manger anymore. He's a savior of the world. We can't forget that we belong to him. You see, the Bible says that, that he reigns and rules with power. And right now, he's in heaven with authority. And he's going to come back again very soon and receive us to himself. And when he comes, the Bible says he's going to be riding on a white horse. And when, he, when that white horse comes down, he said that, the, that the, his word would be like a sword of the Spirit. It would be like the word of God coming out of his mouth that's going to conquer. And what you're going to notice is that when he comes back, you're going to see on his robe where it says, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. We don't have a weak Savior. Amen. We got the power, almighty God. Amen. Amen. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Look what the Bible says, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your what? All your heart. And lean not your own understanding in all your ways. What's that next word? Acknowledge. Acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. You know what it means to acknowledge someone? In this sense, it's not like we think we say, well, I recognize you're in the room. Hey, how are you doing? You know, hey, how are you doing? Hey, you, that, we think that's acknowledgement. No, no, in this sense, in this term, what it actually means, it's more intimate. It means I acknowledge you. That means this. It means I weigh every decision that I'm about to make because of our relationship. 
I acknowledge you. How is this decision going to affect our relationship? And that's exactly right. You know, like Rhonda, uh, I have, every time I make a decision, I have to acknowledge how is this going to impact her. When she makes a decision, she has to acknowledge how is this going to impact me. Amen, everybody? And so that's a relationship. And with God, if, if Jesus is Lord of our life, we say every decision I'm going to make, how is this going to affect my relationship with Jesus? Amen? Is it going to draw me closer to him? Or is it going to push me farther away? How is this going to affect my relationship? The next thing I would share with you is this. Number three, would you write this down? Is this, if we want to have a life that's surrendered, is that number three, we must release the fear of surrendering. Release the fear of surrendering. The reason many of us will not surrender an area of our life to Christ is because we're afraid of what he's going to do with it. We're afraid of it. It's amazing to me. See, love Love, would you agree with me that love is built on trust? Would you agree with that? Yes. That where there is no trust, there is no love, right? Look what the Bible says. First John, the Bible says this. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his what? Love. In his love. We have trusted in his love. God is love, and all who live in love and live in God, and God lives in them. Such love has no fear. Notice that. Because perfect love, what? Expels all fear. It drives it out. If we're afraid, it is for fear of what? Punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his what? Perfect love. And this is what I want you to know. Is until you begin to trust, love can't grow. Listen, the area in, and going back to Rhonda and I's relationship again. Our love is limited to our trust. In other words, if she doesn't trust me with our finances, if she doesn't trust me with that, then guess what? We're limited in that area. We can't grow anymore. If, 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 she, doesn't trust, if she doesn't trust me, you know, with our children, if she doesn't trust me uh, in any area in my life, wherever the trust stops, that's where the love stops. Are you following with me? Where you're, in other words, your love is going to be limited to the level of trust that you can have. And the problem is this, is that in some of us in this room right now, our level of trust with God in an area of our life is very, very low. Would you agree with that? There's some of us, like, and there's, there's some areas that we don't trust God with. Like some of you, you don't trust God with your children. And let me just tell you something. You're going to go crazy because you have to learn there's something that you have to let go of and let God do. And if you keep being God, then God's never going to be God in that area in their life. You have to let God do it. Amen? Amen. Are you going to go crazy? You have to let God be God. And I would share with you today that whatever area of that in your life is, and, maybe, and like for me, you heard me say I was afraid for the church to be generous. Because I was afraid there wouldn't be enough. I wasn't letting God be enough, letting God be God. And the moment that I let God be God is amazing. Look what God has done. I mean, our church more than tripled from the attendance in that time. And it's amazing how God has blessed us. We've, re, we've just built on. We've done all these things because of God, not because of me. And so what area are you holding on to? That's the question. What area am I holding on to that I'm refusing to let God be God? Because you... If you don't trust him, 
if you don't trust him with your life, you say, well, you know what? I want to get married. And I ain't got married yet. And you're trying to do it all your, way, your own way. Listen, you got to say, no, no, no. I'm going to let God be God. He's going to lead me to the right person. If you get involved and you try to make it happen, you're going to get the wrong person. There's not but one thing wrong with finding the wrong person. That is, you know, that's worse than finding the wrong person. That is marrying the wrong person. Oh, God. <laughs> right? You stuck like Chuck. It's bad. It's ugly. I want to read you one more passage of Scripture. Again, Jesus picks this up, this subject in Matthew 7 about the builders. And he said this statement, and listen, I don't want to cause you to be fearful, but I think sometimes we need some holy fear. Amen? Amen. We need some reverence fear. And this verse haunts me. It's one that I live with that I say, okay, God, I realize this is true. Look what it says. Jesus said this, Matthew 7 and 21. Not everyone who says to me, what, what's those two words? Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the what? Will of my Father. Did you hear that? He said, not everybody that checks the box, not everybody that gets baptized, not everybody that prays the prayer is going to be in heaven. I don't know how that affects you, but that, that sort of startles me a little bit. But only he who does the will of my heavenly Father. He goes on to say this. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly. Would you read these words out loud? I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoer. I don't know how those words sit with you, but they're very challenging to me because it's more. He said, listen, you're wearing the ring. Either you're wearing the ring or you're not. Are you living? Are you living like you believe in him, but living like he doesn't exist? My friend, that's the question. See, we want a full-time Lord but many times we want to be part-time followers. You know, what if, what if when Rhonda and I walked down that aisle, what if, what if I would have said to her, well, Rhonda, we're married now, honey, and i tell you what, I'll see you in about 10 years. I, I just want to want you, you know, when I get sick, you know, you said that you'd love me and sickness and health, so when I get sick, I'm going to come back and let you take care of me. Or I'm going to come and see you when I want a little something from you. I'll show up. Some of you going, how dare that man say that? Because that's the way we live with Jesus, isn't it? When I get sick, oh, God, forgive me everything. Lord, I need you, my Lord. But when not, things are going well. It's like I, I talk to you later. He said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Only he who does the will of my heavenly Father. I've had a little time this week to to examine my life. I want to give you the same opportunity today to examine your life. And as I examine my life, I realize that there's some areas that I really got to give over to God. And I would challenge you to do the same. Would you do me a favor? Would you just bow your heads with me right now? Everybody, just close your eyes. If you're sitting here today and you're like me, you say, Jeff, you know, this is, this is sort of waking me up a little bit. There's some areas in my life I need to give to God. I need to make Him Lord. 
just like I had to do this week. If that's you, with every, every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just raise your hand that there's some areas in my life? Come on, all over the room. Yes, yes, just with me, all over the room. Yes, come on. Go ahead, just raise that hand up. Go ahead, just raise your hand up all over the room. Yes, yes, yes. There's areas in my life, just like you, Jeff, I got to do it. You can put your hands back down. Heavenly Father, you saw the hands that were lifted. God, there's some areas in our lives that, that we've not submitted to you. And the truth is known, oh God, we've not made you Lord in those areas. So today we want you to do that. Forgive us. God, there was those in this room that didn't raise their hands, that are having the issues as well. And right now, Father, they're praying themselves. God, forgive me. I want to make you Lord of my life, of this area of my life. Whatever it may be, have all of me. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for that. Now, with your heads bowed and your eyes still closed, those of you at home as well, there's some of you today that the truth of the matter is, is that you've not made him Lord. You're not a Christ follower. And you know today that if you were, to, you were to leave this world today, that you would not spend eternity with God. You just know it. Why don't today you change that? Today you're here. And what I want you to do right now, nobody's looking around but me. You say, Pastor, today I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be Lord of my life. I want him to save me. Would you just raise your hand? There's nobody looking but me. I want to pray with you. Yes, 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 yes. You can put your hands back down. Come on, somebody else. Up and back, right back down. All over this room. I want to make Jesus my Savior today. I want to make this decision today. Come on, I'm waiting on you. One more, one more hand. Yes, I see that hand. You can put it back down. Yes. 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 Those of you that, that raised your hands, I'm not going to embarrass you. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray this prayer. And you, just, you don't even have to say it out loud. But you say this prayer with me. Those of you at home as well. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I, I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. I need you to be the Lord of my life. I need you to save me. Father God, I come to you today and I ask you to help me do your will because I can't do this on my own. I need your help. Save me today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, everybody. Can we Listen, I want you to know there's about 10 or 15 people today that gave their life to Jesus Christ. Can we say thank God for that? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.